this is Dawn Schuler, certified trainer and business consultant at the Schuler Group with the When People Thrive, Companies Thrive. Today, I am very excited to have on the show Edgar Jatou. He is an HR consultant, which I have to say are some of our favorite people because they do what we don't do, and sometimes we do what they don't do. And so it's a match made in heaven. So Edgar, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Don. I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about Edgar. He is originally from Cameroon, raised in New York City, and why he sets himself apart, or I set himself apart from other HR consultants, is he is passionate about creating workplaces that value fair treatment, trust, and open communication. So we both have that in common with that, you know, really creating that thriving culture and environment so that organizations thrive. It all starts with the people, right? All right. Um, And that's Edgar nodding yes. (laughs) So one of the things that I find fascinating about you, Edgar, is you started out your career as an employment lawyer. And I'm wondering how you went from employment lawyer to HR consultant. Can you say more about that journey for you? Yes, I can. So it, you know, I think it was pretty organic. Uh, you know, I started my practice representing mainly uh, workers um, in all parts of the work, in all, all types of workplaces. Um, and then I started working with some small businesses, helping them with their uh, legal matters. But but in many in many instances, I was doing preventive work. So I was helping them set up systems so that they were fair to the employees, um, you know, avoid lawsuits um, or are or, or being put in situations that were going to take them away from their business. And, and I realized that there was a part of my brain I liked working, um, which was kind of operating as an HR consultant in, in limited form. Um, obviously, it was limited in that I was more doing the legal work or legal preventive work. Um, but it, I realized that I liked talking about a company's business, um, how to pair that with their HR needs or employment law needs, and coming up with creative solutions that could help them. Um, and and it was doing that work that I realized that, uh, you know, you can use many things you've learned in the past, but you have to tailor make your advice to each individual client, because every client's different, um, whether it's who the owner is and, and how they like to lead or um, deal with risk, um, you know, the industry that that they're operating in and, and how, you know, they have to stay and, and the ways they have to stay competitive uh, or or the laws that might affect um, their their industry specifically. Um, and also, the, you know, the, the employees that they're managing, right? Uh, you know, you have to also think about the culture that they're trying to create or the types of workers they have already on you know, on staff and, and maybe who they're looking to to bring in. And so all those things you have to take into account when giving the best advice. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to try something different um, from practice and law and decided to um, go into more HR consulting. So I started my company about two years ago uh, and I made the great decision to start right before COVID. Um, <laughs> and, and so that presented some challenges in that you know the world essentially came to a standstill, uh, but I kept myself busy by just being of service to companies as they were trying to um, um, manage COVID, uh, and and I did get a few clients who were not as impacted by COVID um, because they were considered an essential business. And then you know this year things have really started to pick up a lot more um, now that uh, companies are starting to see a path forward in terms of, okay, we, we survived the worst of, of the pandemic and we see now we can telework and or, or work from home or have flexible schedules. Um, there's a vaccine now, so, so we might be able to come back into the office and whether full-time or in limited capacity. And I think just overall, people just feel a little more confident about you know uh, the future. Great. Well, I'm glad that uh, things have picked up for you and and for the world. Uh, 
that leads me to ask, what do you think is the biggest HR challenge facing businesses today? That's a great question, Don. I would say the biggest challenge facing uh, companies today from an HR perspective is probably uh, right, right now dealing with how to uh, deal with employees who are still hesitant about the vaccine. Uh, and, and this is, is very much going to be important for those companies that do work with the federal government now that the federal government is, um, has laid out standards for not only federal employees, but federal contractors mm-hmm. in terms of um, getting their employees vaccinated or going through um, weekly testing. Uh, and, and certainly if you're a, uh, an organization that's over 100 employees, you're going to have to do that as well if you're you know, in the private sector. But I think, you know, given the clients I'm working with currently um, and, and just in general, no matter the size, it's something you have to grapple with, right? Because uh, there's still some hesitancy around the vaccine. Uh, you also have to think about the type of business you're running. Is it essential to your business that everyone's vaccinated? Uh you know, you know, it also comes down to values in terms of do you want to be a organization where we're always seeing each other, you know, and and it doesn't make more sense for us to get vaccinated or just wear masks in the office. Do we want that? You know, um, you know, and 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 also people bring their own baggage, whether it's political views, you know, or um, or views in general about the vaccine or COVID. Uh, and so there's a lot to deal with with all that's happening in the world around this and 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 what local and federal governments are doing around trying to get people vaccinated. Uh, so so that's a lot for employers to deal with. You know, it, you know, not many employers uh, have the capability of, of thinking this through. Right. They, they didn't go to school to study, you know, virology or epidemiology or, <laughs> or vaccination policy, you know, their, uh, you know, CPAs, lawyers, you know, designers, like they, that's what they went to school for, right? Um, but that is sort of the, uh, the challenge of management and leadership, right? You have to be able to, uh, you know, get yourself to be nimble about these things and, and, and be educated and make the right decisions. But what I would say is that you don't have to make those decisions alone, right? You shouldn't have to uh, feel that this is only only you can solve this. You know, consult with people, whether it's your colleagues in the industry or other business owners or leaders of organizations or or friendly HR consultants. You know, whether it's me or anyone else that can help you make the right judgment calls on this, right? Because it's, it's hard, right? It, it's not easy, you know, because you. You know, even as a leader, you also have your own feelings about it, right? And you have to pair that with also this cold objective. Okay, what is the best for my organization? Absolutely. And one of the values that I think someone like you and other HR consultants bring is making sure that business owners and leaders are making the right decisions. And when I say right, I don't mean, you know, from a, you know, uh, some type of moral standpoint, but from a legal standpoint, um, you know, an an owner can believe whatever he or she believes, but at the end of the day, um, they have to make legal decisions. And like you said, not only did they not go to school for epidemiology, they didn't go to school usually, you know, with the the legalities of, um, you know, hiring and employment and and all of that. That I think is the huge value that someone like you brings to an organization. Yeah, and and to build upon that, it's also think through the implications, right? Uh, and I, I I believe one of the the challenges that a lot of companies will face is that you know what do you do if someone steadfastly does not want to get vaccinated and they have to, right? Whether it's because you're mandating it as an employer or it it's required by a client, whether it's a government contract or even another contract where say, hey, look. If, we want to work with you, but you're employed to help you vaccinate. We're not going to have you come on our site without proof vaccination. What do you do? Right. I mean, and there are ways you can try to get around that, but ultimately if you cannot, then 
he might face the uncomfortable choice um, of having to let someone go, right? Um, and that's very, that's very challenging. You know, um, it's a very tight labor market right now, so it's not just it's not very easy right now to replace someone um, as quickly. A lot of companies are having that that problem, particularly in certain industries and certain or in, and or in certain positions. So there's a lot weighing on 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 leaders of organizations, right? Because they're like, well, look, you know, we want to be we want to be we want to set a clear policy, but we also are afraid of if we have to let someone go, what does that mean for morale? What does that mean for our ability to replace that person? Um, and, and of course, you know, if someone has a, uh, you know, meets the exceptions, you know, uh, you know, allowed, allowed for by law, of course, you have to keep them and accommodate them, you know, as, as much as you can. But, you know, there are some people who might just say, look, I'm just not getting vaccine. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and what do you do? You know, it's a, it's a very tough call. Definitely, definitely. You mentioned something about, you know, that it's, it's, it's hard to find, um, you know, good talent. And there's, you know, you, you see the articles, the great resignation. What are your thoughts about that? Is, is that a thing? Is that, is that, does that exist? Or is it just a, a hot term, you know, to use in the, in, in journalism right now? Yeah, no, it, it's a real thing. Uh, I, I, I have a number of uh, clients where I'm doing recruiting for them. And it's been very challenging um, to find good people. Uh, you know, I've, I've experienced situations where people don't show up to interviews. Uh, people don't, people, you, you, you make an offer to them. They don't, you know, they don't show up to the first day um, of employment, you know, the, the whole ghosting thing. Uh, and, and, and just in general, it's just been very challenging to fill positions rather quickly. Uh, and, you know, and, and there are many, there, there are many, uh, factors, right. Uh, you know, that we can get into whether it's, um, you know, a lot of people are, are making different decisions regarding their employment. Um, some people are just not able to get back into the workforce because they're still either dealing with, uh, you know, um, complications from COVID if they had contracted it, or if a loved one has, has done so and have to stay home to take care of that person. Childcare is still an issue for people, even though um, students are going back to school. But as we're seeing, a lot of schools are still facing outbreaks. And so if that child can't go back to a school environment, they're at home. Uh, so there are a lot of things that are that are affecting people's ability to get back into the workplace. Um, and, and not to mention that, you know, everyone is looking for people. You know, uh, and and it's just it's just very challenging environment right now. So I I don't think it's hyperbole or or made up. It, it's real. <laughs> it's very real out there. And uh, and 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 many industries are really hitting or really facing the brunt of it. You know, hospitality is a big one. Um, they're really you know facing this problem at probably the most. But other industries too, you know, uh, where um, other it's an industry that has not been impacted as much by COVID, so people are not moving around as much uh, because you know those industries those industries are very busy, and so people are like in in their jobs and working and and don't have don't feel the need to need the need to leave, uh, or uh, or because it's a very specialized field you're looking for. Um, you know, you have to, you know, you just, it, and coupled with some of the things that are happening in the, in the world right now, it's taking much longer. And I, and I think another thing is that, you know, there, it, people a lot more are looking for remote work. Uh, you know, you know you, you've had a lot of people who have left cities or, 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 or um, big um, uh, city centers or, or, or metro areas, and and what they want to do is live out somewhere in a small town, um, work for an organization, and make that and make that same pay they're making at their organization, but in a, in a different, in a much smaller place where their money maybe carries more to have more space, you know, and and a lot more people valuing that, and and not a lot of jobs 
I, mean, I think increasingly it does more of that, but there's some places where it, you still need to be in person or you need to be in the office. And that presents a challenge too for, for hiring. It does. It does. And I know that, like you said, there are some, there's some independent industries and occupations that have to be in person. You, you can't go to a restaurant and have a remote, you know, wait staff person. Um, you can't go to the hospital and get, you know, get urgent, you know, em- emergency care service, you know, remotely. Uh, but what right. I, what I find interesting, and I don't know if you've run into this with any, with any of your clients or, or people that you know, is Companies who the work that they do does not need to be in person, but yet they're insisting upon in person back to work and back to work in person. And uh, let me before I say what I think, let me ask you what you think about that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a tough one because it. I think it comes down to a couple things. One. Some people are just so wired by the traditional thought of, hey, you know, we're an organization and we have a brick and mortar office. You come to the office and you work, you know, and people valuing that I see you every day um, coming into work and this is what we do. Uh, and then if you take a, you know, a step from that, there's also a, a cultural thing, right? It's like, what do you value as an organization, right? And I can see the argument for some leaders where it's like, look, you know, what we do is, it's a lot of teamwork and 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 camaraderie and and I, I, idea generating and 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 client facing work and and we can't have people in and out because it doesn't help the process of coming up with good ideas and good strategies for the work we do. Right, um, and how do you replicate that in a in a telework environment? You know that, and I can see that side of it too. So, so, and that's why it, I think a lot of companies are are trying to figure this out, uh, where they're trying to find this healthy mix of okay, maybe it's not five days a week in your office, maybe it's two to three days a week. Um, you know, and then the rest of the time you can work from home or have a flexible schedule. You know, um, but. I, but I, my general sense is that I think every company has to do what's right for them. I don't think any company should be beholden to what, um, what your industry might think or, um, or what the, what you're reading in the papers on the news. I think you ultimately should go with what works best for you. And, and if what works best for you is everyone has to be in person, then okay. Then as long as you're following all proper, uh, CDC guidelines and 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 uh, local and federal mandates regarding maintaining a safe workplace. Then then that's up. That is your choice. And um, as long as you're doing it the right way, then I think that's fine. Uh, and but if you're willing to be a little more flexible, um, and you're seeing that it doesn't hurt productivity, uh, it's not. It hasn't disrupted the company culture. Um, you're still being you're still able to service your clients and in the way that you want to service them, then great. That works for you as well. Uh, I, I just encourage organizations to do the work to really think this through and not, and not react emotionally or just go with what you're comfortable with uh, and, and try to do the comfort zone. Really think about it, right? Um, and, and do the work. And, and more importantly, engage your, engage your staff because they're the ones that uh, I think will have a unique perspective on whether or not uh, to them, it makes sense to be in person, hybrid, or completely telework. Uh, you know, and and you'll be surprised how candid people will be with you if you just give them the opportunity um, to to do that. Boy, okay, so you just brought up a couple things that I want to touch on. Um, be, before I get to one of those, I, I want to say, you know, so my my belief, and I, this has been all along, even before COVID, and when you know when it was declared a pandemic and the world shut down and problems arose, what I saw was these problems have always been there. You know, COVID didn't create mm-hmm. brand new problems, really. Um, I mean, yes, pandemic, disease, whatever, but the fact that there were some kind of holes in the foundation and COVID exposed those holes. And 
if anything, we as individuals, humans, and then organizations, we had to learn to adapt. And my my strong belief is that whether it's COVID or not, organizations have to adapt, adapt or die. And I think this great resignation is highlighting the fact that for those organizations who will not adapt, they may die because they're losing valuable employees and, and all of that. So, um, that's what I really hope, you know, people listening, you know, that are leaders in their organizations that you have to adapt and and how do you adapt? And Edgar, you just brought up uh, one way potentially to adapt is have candid conversations with your employees and staff. So can you say a little bit more about that? Because that could sound like a scary prospect to people. Yeah, no, it it can be scary because I, I think that, from my experience, it sometimes people don't want to hear from their employees because they're so worried about how that may re- might reflect on them personally on, or on their leadership. And I, that's a human, that's a very human uh, reaction. And I don't, I don't ever fault someone from, from feeling that way. We all, as much as we're in the we're particularly me and you, Don, we're in the world of feedback where feedback's important it's still a very scary proposition, right? To get to get feedback from someone because you just never know what that person might say, right? Uh, and it, the same applies here. And, um, but I believe that the healthiest organizations that I've seen or worked with do value very much the idea of employee feedback and, and employee engagement, uh, particularly on big decisions. And, and I would say that during, the, the pandemic, you know, the, the companies I saw that were able to get through it well were the ones that would talk to them to their employees about um, instituting new things. You know, so one of the, one thing that was a big hot button issue during the pandemic was privacy. You know, everyone was working at home and a lot of companies are freaking out because they're not sure about how, productive the employees were. So you had these crazy stories about um, companies investing all this money in this, you know, software to track keystrokes, track emails, um, you know, to see if, you know, to, to have access to your camera to see if you're being productive and how, how many times you were hugging your kids. You know, I, I've heard some horror stories where some employers require employees to stay on Zoom all day so they can monitor them. You know, and at least all sorts of morale issues, some in, in some cases, legal issues um, when it comes to privacy, but believe it or not, discrimination issues, because, you know, it's one thing if you go to an office and you can leave your personal life at home. But if your personal life is now um, being um, seen by your employer, you know, you might not know that your employer is homophobic and you have, you know, a same sex partner. And that same sex partner walks, you know, through your Zoom meeting and they're like, oh, I didn't know this about this person. And now they're doing all sorts types of things behind your back. But how would you know? Because you're at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, how would you know you're being discriminated against? Right. And um, or whether, you know, and now with the going back to work process, you know, I, I think that, you know, for I think a lot of employers had to grapple with the fact that a lot of the employees were scared about coming back to work particularly have to, if they had to commute the public transportation or, or if they're, if they're having them can contact the public part as part of their job, how will, how is that going to look like and, and bringing something home back to, you know, their families or communities. And, you know, the companies that were able to say, look, let's talk it through, let's get consensus, let's, you know, do pros and cons. And ultimately let's all as a group, come to a decision. I felt that those organizations did better. The ones that just, you know, issued um, mandates or just say, hey, this is what we're doing and didn't engage the employees or or just make sure that they felt good about the decision being made or experiencing more problems um, because employees get distrustful, you know, know, they're, they're understandably scared 
And that's where you might get resignations because <laughs> people are saying, hey, you know what? Not for me. I'm going to resign. It's not for me anymore. I'm gone. Um, there are bigger things I have to worry about than this job. Um, and then then you lose productivity and, and things are scary for a while. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think COVID um, created new problems. I think it exposed a lot of the problems we've had before. Yeah. Uh, particularly when it comes to employee engagement, you know, and I believe the companies that already had a history of of uh, doing it did better, you know, and the companies that were able to say, okay, we have to start doing this, <laughs> did better uh, with, with COVID. And the ones who did not, um, I, I feel that experienced more problems uh, because they were not willing or or had the fault the the fault thought to say, hey, let's see what I, our staff thinks about this. Let's let's do a survey. Let's do focus groups. Let's you know do meetings. Whatever we have to do to get some to to get some consensus and, and or to get a pulse as to what people are thinking. Yes, I yeah, I definitely get that. Um, so uh, you may have touched upon this in various places throughout um, our conversation. Um, but maybe we can just bring it all together if indeed we have. What are what are the trends that you're seeing in hiring and employee retention right now? Like, what are those trends? That's a good one, Don. Uh, I would say a, a one trend is um, compensation is compensation and benefits are increasing. Uh, so a lot of employers, what they're doing now is to stay competitive, they're, they're paying more, for, particularly for certain positions. Uh, you know, and, and even, you know, I, I remember I was, in, I was driving around West Virginia and I was seeing signs at all these fast food restaurants um, willing to pay, you know, signing bonuses um, for new employees. Uh, you know, so that is a trend, you know, signing bonuses, increasing compensation benefits, that, that is a trend I'm seeing um, for recruitment and retention. Um, another trend um, that I'm seeing is that now more organizations are, are willing to uh, either look further than they would in terms of their geographic scope. Um, for candidates, particularly for candidates willing to relocate, um, or just saying, look, we'll just make this a tougher position and we'll just have to find someone maybe 25 miles or more out of our geographic radius to, 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 to you know, hopefully get good candidates. Um, that's another trend I'm seeing. Another trend that I'm seeing in terms of recruitment and retention uh, is that there? I think more employers now are being more are being sensitive to the idea of family responsibilities, mm. and and whether and it kind of goes back to first matter compensation benefits, but whether whether it's um, enacting more um, new policies for paid paid time off, uh, or or more flexible scheduling. Uh, particularly if you're a parent and you have to deal with childcare or you're still dealing with someone that it has COVID or whatever the case might be, but um, just being more flexible when it comes to family responsibility uh, and, and either being upfront about that through the interview process or just working to enact policies that it will allow for that um, flexibility. So that's another trend I'm seeing in terms of recruitment and retention. Uh, and I, I, say, I would say finally, uh, and this is more on the retention part, but being more um, cognizant of mental health. Uh, you know, for, for a time, you know, it was a big ticket item because, you know, everyone was quarantining um, or at least should have been quarantining. Um, and people, and if you lived, if you lived alone, for example, you know, you didn't have as much access to your social circles, you know, that you were used to, uh, and that could affect your productivity at work because, you know, you missed your family, you missed your friend, you missed your routine, you miss, you know, seeing your coworkers. So employers have had to grapple with that, um, 
And so whether it was, or it is, I would say, because it's still an issue, um, doing check-ins with people to make sure they're doing okay, um, upping budgets for um, employee appreciation. So maybe you have a, a lunch meeting and you sell lunch to everyone, um, or instead of, or maybe on Fridays you do, so maybe it's not the traditional happy hour that you would do if you're in the office, but hey, let's just get on a Zoom call and just touch base. You know, we're not going to talk about work. We're not going to be busy. It's truly a social hour, you know, um, so you at least see a friend, some friendly faces. Uh, and, 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 and in addition, beefing up um, wellness programs in general, um, particularly if you're a bigger organization. Uh, and, I, and I still believe it's, you know, even now that in some areas that even though mandates have have been less restrictive, I still think it's a problem, right? Because we're still dealing with COVID. Uh, and so there's still some social distancing. And, um, and if you're still not back to work yet, you know, you're still maybe at home still, um, or you're still afraid of getting the, you know, infected. So I still think it's an ongoing issue, uh, you know, paired with all the social unrest we've had in the past, um, this past summer, um, you know, going into this year. So there's still a lot of people are, are dealing with um, all around. And I think companies you know, have had to deal with it because they're on the front lines <laughs> of that. Uh, because, you know, usually sometimes the first people to notice something's off is your employer or your coworkers. Yeah, definitely. Um so taking a little bit of a different, um, because, okay, before I say what I was going to say, I think if if people were listening to what you just said about those trends, like these are the biggest trends, then, you know, gee, what should you be doing as, you know, leaders and owners in your organization? Um, it's, it's almost like you just gave them a roadmap, Edgar. Um, here's to navigate the, here, here's the roadmap on how to navigate some of these difficulties. So, um uh, so I hope you all listen to that. Those of you, um, you know, our listeners, like, because he did, he just gave you a blueprint and a roadmap. So what can you do for, you know, your benefits, your compensation, bringing in more social um, activities so that people have that opportunity to feel connected while at the same time being sensitive to the fact that some people don't want that, but some people do. Um, And mental health and wellness being, you know, a huge component. Uh, It's another thing. Again, Problems under the surface, but COVID exposed those. Uh, what what do we need to do to be more sensitive and helpful and and caretaking of of our community, meaning the employees and staff on in our organization? So so thank you for that. Uh, and this, yeah, no problem. this absolutely this may not be related. It's just could be just a completely different question. But what is the biggest mistake you see organizations make in terms of HR? Good question. This might sound general, but it's actually very specific. I, I think the biggest mistake that I've seen organizations do when it comes to HR is misdiagnosing a problem. And here's what I mean by that. Um, it's I've seen two polar reactions. It's either we have an issue and I'm going to just handle it. I'm not going to give it any thought. I'm just, you know, sometimes white knuckle the problem, <laughs> you know, be abrasive and just deal with it. And whatever comes of it, comes of it, you know, um, and that's like the one reaction I've seen from some employers. So it's like, it's like the emotional reaction, right? Um, then the other side, it's total head in the sand. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, we don't have the money to, to, to fix this right now. Um, oh, you know, it just blow over. Total head in the sand. Um, and basically, there's a big iceberg, and they're just going right, <laughs> right at it, uh, even though they've seen it, you know, miles away. But just choose to figure. Oh, the boat will just find a way across the iceberg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and and what I always try to you know 
tell people that I'm either consulting with or who have engaged me is this, that look, you know, sometimes a problem has to be dealt with immediately. Sometimes it could wait, but the most important thing you have to do is do the work to figure out what kind of reaction you need to have, right? And once you decide what, how, you, how you need to handle this problem, um, then you can go about, you know, um, you know, with your plan of action. But the most important thing is have a plan of action. Uh, and and I and I, my feeling is, you know, if you need time, you know, take the time it, it necessary to plan things out. Maybe you don't have to terminate this person today. Maybe you could wait um, because either you don't have enough paperwork, you know, maybe just talking to the person might be the trick. Uh, you know, maybe there's some legal implications and you have to slow it down um, before you start making these big, you know, a big decision like this. You know, uh, and so that's sort of the, the work I try to do with people is uh, let's see what the problem is. Let's see how urgent it is. Um, but let's not just, you know, even if it's urgent, let's not just deal with it. Let's have a plan. Um, let's make sure that there are no legal implications. Let's make sure, make sure it's not going to ruffle feathers. It's not going to hurt you, you know, productivity-wise. You know, all these things matter uh, because, you know, particularly when I practice employment law, a lot of lawsuits I saw were not, not necessarily were, maybe there were some, um, Maybe there was some um, legal standing. A lot of times it was just bad blood. You know, someone didn't like the way they were treated, you know, um, and and sometimes it caused a legal issue. Sometimes it was 50-50. You're not sure. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it really depends on maybe what a judge or a jury might think. Um, um, and sometimes it's Hey, you just really handled this poorly, and this person felt compelled to sue because you didn't hear them out. Then, you know, you weren't responsive. You just would just downright jerk <laughs> in the way you dealt with the problem, or you just didn't deal with it. And and some abrasive mid manager dealt with it or did it their own way, and you just didn't really um, address the problem as you should have as a leader. And now you're in a deposition. <laughs> And you're wondering why you're here. And that's not my problem. I'm just here representing my client, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they think they have, have a lawsuit on their hands. So, so that's why I try to tell people, look, very important that you diagnose a problem um, carefully. Um, let's figure out if it's something that needs to be handled now or later. Let's set things up so you can deal with it appropriately because the, the cost of making a mistake is way too high. Uh, it, you know, whether it's in terms of your time away from your business to deal with a situation, um, whether it's your reputation in, you know, in your community or in the industry, if word gets out that you handle this poorly um, and it results in a lawsuit or people talk or bad reviews, <laughs> you know, um, whether online or word of mouth uh, and ultimately your productivity, right? And morale, Uh so, and, and it's very, and I just believe it's very important you take these things into account um, when making important personnel decisions or even small ones. You know, I, 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 I think that better to think it through, talk it out, even if it takes five minutes before you make a decision, you know, um, because it can just save you a lot of heartache. You know, I mean, just think about how many times you're in a workplace and a and and something you think is a small thing becomes a big thing, and it, and it just consumes your week. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be nice just to avoid those situations? And and even if someone's upset, you can say, "Look, I followed my process. We thought about it. You know, I'm, I I can't promise you that the person or another onion will be happy, but at the very least, you can say, "I followed my process. I did things the right way. Hopefully, we can." end things in a in a good place if not hey i get it but at least i know that if there's a a lawsuit some or something i did the right thing mm-hmm. you know um and i can at least i did the right thing i followed the law i i consulted experts i i made the right call here you know and that's a better way to conduct business right absolutely so i 
what I'm hearing is don't avoid the problem, deal with it. And one of the things we coach and consult our clients around is deal with it with grace. And then I'd add after your answer is, and you might want to check in with an HR consultant to make sure that how you're dealing with it is is legal (laughs) and is going to avoid problems down the line. So uh, do that. Um, So my my last question for you, at least unless I come up with another, which is very likely because this has been (laughs) um, a fantastic conversation that's really just opened up, uh, you know, not just my eyes, but hopefully the eyes for our listeners, because it, it that's the reason why you hire consultants and experts is because they are experts in their field so that you, the leader, the CEO, the president, the business owner, don't have to know everything. You you have a team, even yeah. if they're, you know, some of those, you know, team members are, you know, consultants. Um, so my last question is, what is the number one thing companies can do to attract great talent. And um, before I give you the floor, I just came back from a conference in Dallas where uh, I was one of the speakers and my uh, my topic was build your team with rock stars, not rocks. And so when I say <laughs> great talent, uh, it's kind of those, those rock stars. So what's the number one thing that companies can do to attract rock stars? Yeah, so I believe that it comes down to having a system for talent acquisition and onboarding. I think that that's the bedrock of it all. And having a system that is efficient, that saves costs where where possible, but also shows your you know shows candidates that you are polished, that you're serious. Um, you know that makes a big difference. You know a lot of a lot of you know, I think I'll put thing about it this way, right? The interview process is just as much of you getting to interview the candidate and assess whether or not you want to work with them. But for the candidate side, it's also they're assessing, do I want to work for this employer, right? And um, and if you don't have a system to make sure that you're getting back to people when they apply, uh, you know, um, you know, setting up interview the right interview questions uh, so that you're not you know, saying you're not, you're not asking questions you shouldn't be asking. You're asking the right questions to figure out if someone um, is going to be an A player for your team um, or fit within your team and 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 has the qualifications you're looking for. Uh, you know, and 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 especially the onboarding process, making sure that you're you're getting the right information from people, um, and it's and it's an efficient process. Um, those things matter uh, because. You know, there's a stat that I read somewhere that many candidates or, or employee, new employees, want, they they kind of make a decision where how long they're going to stay with the company based on the onboarding process. You know, and if, the, if the onboarding process is is arduous, it's long, you, know, you lose stuff, you know, as the employer, uh, you know, it, and it's not really um, well done. Employees will start thinking about their next job, you know, within within. That time frame, and uh, and and also it might make them feel as if that okay, I just went through this process. It was hectic. What am I, what am I in for next? You know, if I have a, a leave request, for example, is that is, is something to get back to me on time for that? With that, right? So, uh, so I believe firmly that your talent acquisition process and your onboarding process is a great way to show. A candidate that you're serious, that you t- that you take your business seriously, uh, and that they're coming into an organization where uh, not only are they going to grow and thrive, but that you know you as an employer are going to are going to make sure they're taken care of, um, and that's very important. Uh, and 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 within developing the systems, uh, I believe it's important that you are clear about position descriptions. For candidates, you know, so you know, you know what this person is doing, uh, because you're going to be asked that during the interview process by the candidate, and certainly when you're onboarding them, you want to refer to documents. Say, hey, here's what you're going to be. Here's what we expect of you uh, as as an employee um, in in, your, in the job you're hiring hiring to do. Uh, it's very frustrating for an employee to not to not know what is expected of them, and to be held to a standard that they may not have known that was a standard that that'd be held to. So that's very important. 
Uh, and the other thing is being clear about what you're going to be paying that person and making sure that you that whatever you put in writing as, okay, here's what I'm going to be paying you, you know, the benefits I'm going to be giving you, you can actually afford that. <laughs> uh, now, of course, things happen, right? Um, so look, if something happens with your business, of course, hey, um, as long as you're as long, as long as you're transparent about that, I think most reasonable people can understand that. But if you tell someone, hey, I'm going to pay you 80K a year with this great benefits package, and then you tell them on the first day, oh, actually, no, we can't do that anymore. Um, it's now going to be 70K, and we're going to, like, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that, that is not um, a great way to start a relationship, right? Uh, and so, so do the work beforehand um, and just know, okay, this is a range we're going to pay someone, you're the benefits we're going to be offering, um, and be very clear about that. Um, and, and, and don't change that um, because you realize we, we can't afford it. You know, one of the things I always do with clients, um, particularly early on, is I wonder who their CPA is. You know, that's something I ask right off the bat because if we're going to be making financial decisions together, particularly early on, I want to know who that person is that's doing your books or the, who does your taxes. I want to be able to talk to them or have you say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Make sure the CPA or the bookkeeper says, yeah, we can do this. Because the last thing I want to do is tell a candidate that, yeah, we told you we can, we can pay this much, but in actuality, we can only pay this much. That's that's not great for your reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, and, and finally, you know, you have to take a, a, a hard look at your company culture and what you're looking to build, you know, um, because candidates ask about that. They ask about culture. They ask about, um, you know, what kind of place, what kind of workplace you have here. Uh, you know, what am I getting myself into? You know, what's the team like? And you want to have a good, uh, you want to have someone prepared for, for that question. You know, what is our company culture? What are, our, what, are our, what are our values? You know, what do we value in, in an employee? You know, what, what does success look like at our, at our company? You know, those are all things that are important for you to think about. Um, and I would dare say, put that in your job announcement, you know, have prepared responses for that. Um, you know, make sure your employees have <laughs> prepared responses for that um, or they're thinking about that, particularly if you're going to have them as part of the interview process, um, because that's important too. And you know, I would say more so than ever, um, all candidates, you know, there's, there's been a lot of this writing in the press about millennials or, or, um, or, or Gen Zers caring so much about culture. Everyone cares about culture. Everyone. doesn't matter what experience level you're at. People want to know they're coming into a place where there's no drama, that they know what's expected of them, that it, it's a healthy environment. Um, and that they and that their skills would be valued. So that's any candidate cares about that. So I think that's also very important as well for companies to think about before they start hiring people. That's that's great. And I, and of course, you're speaking my language, right? Like it's it's about the internal piece. You know, it's um, you can focus on being productive and. You know, if you're a manufacturer, making sure your widgets get out efficiently and high quality and whatever. And yes, that's important. But if the people you have internally are nitpicking at each other or they're they're worried about, you know, that person, you know, down the proverbial hall because they're a toxic, you know, person or um, they just can't seem to, you know, get anybody to really acknowledge the value, all of that it's going to lead to the issues on that production side. And so you and yeah. I really do uh, speak that language. And of course, I, I believe that your mission is similar to mine. Like let's, let's get, you know, the leaders out there to understand that, you know, if they've got the right people, yeah. in the right seats, doing the right things at their top performance, you know, the, the organization is going to thrive, but it really does need to start. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't want that one to add or just reemphasize size is just the importance of asking the right questions on interviews uh, because if, if you really do the, the work and thinking through okay if we're going to have multiple rounds for example what are we doing in the first round to figure out is this it just can't even worth our time right um, and then when we get to the second round what kind of questions we ask this person to elicit 
certain response in or to really figure out are they aligned with our values as a company and do they have the right skill sets and work experience, you know, and, and, you know, and, or whether it's in that second round of, or if we go final round, you know, are they a good fit? You know, do they, you know, are they a good fit with our team? You know, can we trust them to make certain decisions in situations? You know, do they have good integrity? All these things matter, but it takes a lot of work on the, on the front end to develop a, a system of questions to get to really understand a candidate, get to know them, right? To figure out if they're going to be someone that is going to be um, a rock star and not just a bunch of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's very important. And, and look, you know, it, there's no silver bullet, right? It, you, you know, I've seen situations where you, you, did the, you did all the homework necessary and it was a great process you followed and the can didn't work out. And mm-hmm. there are many reasons why a can doesn't work out, right? And, and you can always beat yourself up over it. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But at the very least, you want to get to the end of that interview process. And when you're making decisions, you don't want to have that feeling of, well, we just have these people with here now. Let's just make a decision because you know they're they're in front of us. You want to, when you're making that decision, you want to say to yourself, Yeah, this person, you know, they're a no-brainer to me. Like I can see them, I can see them working out here. I feel good about this decision. Let's just go with it. And that's and that's what you want to have um, in your gut when you're making that final call. Edgar, I just have to say that you have just such amazing insight and information. And this has been chock full of just valuable information, statistics, tips, resources. Um, and, you know, as I said before, it's like people who are listening to this, the, the leaders and the business owners, you've given them a roadmap to to solve some of these HR problems, to attract the the great talent and the rock stars, to keep them, to, you know, have those candid conversations. I really appreciate that, that, that too, that, you know, if the small business and you're a business owner, be candid with your employees. If you have rock stars, they're with you because they see something in, in, in the organization and the company that they want to be part of. Um, so treat them that way. So all of that has been fantastic. So Edgar, tell the listeners how they can find out more and connect with you. Yeah, well, thank you, Don, for having me again. And and you can contact me um, through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, I also do uh, complimentary consultations. So if you want to reach out to me, particularly on LinkedIn, um, to do a 30-minute um, call just to talk through any HR issues you're having. I'm more than happy to do that free of charge. Fantastic. And this is Edgar Jatou, and that is spelled N-D-J-A-T-O-U. Probably pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. And Edgar, again, <laughs> thank you so much for being part of the show. And for all of you, until Absolutely. next time, may you thrive.